Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome again to LifePoint. Uh, I am Noah, the new student ministries pastor. I feel like I've been here uh, for a little while, so to keep saying new uh, is interesting. But uh, once again, as, pa- as Pastor Chris said, my wife and I moved up here uh, in June from Southern California, and then in August welcomed uh, our new uh, baby Hazel to the world, and uh, she was three months old on Thanksgiving Day. So that was uh, a lot of fun to, to celebrate uh, with her and with family, and, and we've just loved uh, being up here. We felt so blessed to be a part of the LifePoint family. So thank you uh, to you guys for welcoming us in, making us uh, feel welcome here. Uh, it's been a blast to be able to hang out with all of the students uh, and uh, to get to spend time with them each and every week. Uh, Well, this morning, uh, I'm excited to dive into the word with you guys. Uh, So if you guys would open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, we'll we'll dive right in. Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 to 18. Uh, Follow along with me as I read uh, these five verses for us this morning. They say, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, I might be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. For even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. And likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Well, as I said already, my wife and I are recently new parents. Um, however, we're not parents of a child yet who can, uh, who can yet complain, but I spend a lot of time uh, with students of yours, with kids of yours, and so I know that you parents out there have experienced this. Uh, maybe it's when you're asking uh, your kid to do something for you, or maybe it's when you just start talking to them. Uh, they, they give you one of these, they, they start to roll their eyes. Uh, maybe so far you think their eyes might actually roll out of their head this time, and then they look at you, and they give you one of these. Ready? It's a, uh, right when they look at you, right when you start talking to them. Maybe they just jump right into complaining, uh, but if you have a student, if you have a, a child who's done one of those, I know uh, what you're going through. I think, I think students are, are probably the most talented at this type of groan, but, but I really do think we all do it. Adults, we do it too. Maybe it's like a, a work thing or, or a coworker who causes you to groan um, co- coming off Thanksgiving. Maybe it's that family member who was at the table all weekend long that was driving you insane. Uh, or I'm sure if it wasn't either of those that after a year like 2020, we've all had moments where we wanted to let out a groan like that. So I'm going to give you that opportunity now. It's, it's your time. This is your moment, your time to shine. We're going to let out a collective groan together. For you guys watching online, you got to be extra loud so that I can hear you all the way here from your homes. But let's let out this collective groan together on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Uh, <laughs> I, think, uh, I think I actually might have heard some of you guys from home there. So good job. Uh, I hope that that uh, was helpful for you to be able to let out the, that groan this morning. You see, our passage this morning focuses around this idea that we are to be children of God in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. 
See, right before uh, our passage this morning, Paul is writing this letter to the Philippians and he's telling them to work out their own salvation. Or in other words, uh, continue to live how Christ has called you to live. Continue to grow into who Christ has called you to be. Continue to become more and more like Christ. And what we pick up today is Paul giving them one uh, really practical example of, of how we can become more like Christ. In essence, Paul is kind of saying like, do you want to know what it's like to live as children of God? Well, here, do this one thing. This is one practical way in which you can learn. And I really think the main point that Paul is trying to get across here is that we are to be different than the world around us, that, that the world around us can often be crooked and, and twisted, even dark at times. And yet as Christians, we're called to be different. We know we're called to be like Christ and that often requires us to be distinctly different than the world around us. See, in the past few years, I've noticed uh, that Christians were pretty quick to, uh, to notice the crookedness and the twistedness in others. I think this is like human nature, but I think as Christians, we're especially quick. Uh, I notice it a lot uh, as a youth pastor, people talk to me about different generations, right? And so I notice it a lot. People come up to me and they'll say, oh my goodness, these, these millennials are ruining everything, right? Or, or, or um, even better yet, the one I get the most time, oh my gosh, Gen Z is just so self-centered. They're so entitled, and then, and then uh, Gen Z millennials want to push back with, oh, our parents, our grandparents, they're so, whatever it is, fill in the blank. We're so quick to, to try and point out the crookedness or the twistedness in other people. It, it happens with other things too. I get all the time a parent will come up and say, uh, did you know social media is ruining the lives of our children? Right? Or, or somebody say, oh, have you seen that new show that comes? Oh, I just, I just can't watch that show. Well, well, have you seen? No, no, I just, I can't watch that show. I tried, but I just can't. Or oh, they say, oh, this new music that's coming out. It's just atrocious, right? But I, I, I'm going to put in a quick side point uh, here, youth pastor soapbox, if I can, for a second. For all of you parents out there, uh, or anybody really who wants to better understand uh, this next generation, take some time in their world. I, what I mean by that is, is go ahead and go listen to their songs, I mean, if you, if you really can't stand it, uh, then maybe at the very least, go ahead and read through like the top 50 songs just to get an idea of what titles are popular, what Gen Z is interested in. Maybe watch a YouTube video of their choice with them. Do a TikTok video with them. Make an Instagram reel with them. Just spend time in their world if you really want to get to know uh, this next generation. All right, but, but let's come back to uh, this atrocious music that they're listening to. These seem to be things uh, that are easy for us as Christians to be set apart on easy for us to, to just make a quick decision and say, oh, I'm going to be different than that. But I think what Paul's getting at in our passage this morning is that there's a lot of little things or, or even other things that Christians could do a better job of setting an example on. And he starts out by saying to do all things without complaining or grumbling or other translations say uh, arguing or disputing as well. Right? This is his way of telling us to be different. And it's so practical. And his emphasis here is on all things. He's not saying do some things without complaining or do most things without arguing. Brother, he says do all things without complaining, without grumbling, without arguing. And I think this is one of those things that as Christians, we do not do a great job of, generally speaking. But it makes me feel a little better, and you should feel better too. Uh, 2,000 years ago, it appears like Paul and the Philippians were struggling with this too. So we're not the first people uh, to, to struggle with complaining or grumbling or arguing. Uh, but, but Paul is trying to call us out of that. 
You see, our culture really does love to complain. I don't know if you guys have noticed this as much as I have, but it's almost become like a national pastime for us, if you will. It's, it's like the one thing we can all agree on in our divided world. The one thing we can all agree on is this idea that life sucks and it's like supposed to rally cry us together, right? This happens to me, to me often. I'll, I'll be, it usually happens at Target. I don't know why at Target, but I'll be talking to a cashier or a waiter of some kind and I'm trying to make some friendly chit chat. I'll say, hey, you know, how's your day going? And they'll look at me and they'll give the groan, oh, well, I only have an, an hour and seven minutes left on my shift, so I'm almost good. And I'm always confused as to how I'm supposed to respond to this. Like, I'm supposed to jump in with the rally cry, like, yes, for the next hour and six and a half minutes, your life is awful. Like, let's join in the complaining, right? But I, I kind of sit there, like, struggling. Am I supposed to, j- to dive in with this? Or uh, with students, it, it's like, hey, hey, you know, good to see you. Thanks for coming out. How was your week? And they look at me, and they just say, school. And, and I'm kind of like, school what? Like, that's not a complete sentence. You're clearly not learning anything at school, but for some reason, one word is supposed to rally cry me to just be like, yes, your week is awful because you had to go to school, right? It's this idea that uh, we're just complaining about everything. Once students graduate, right, they become adults and it just becomes work, you know? Oh, hey, how was your week going? Oh, I had to work so much this week. I'm kind of like, okay, I'm not sure exactly what you want me to say to that. Am I supposed to join in with this complaining that, that all of work is, is horrible? Am I supposed to, I don't know what to do with that, but it's this idea that our culture has united over complaining. And, and another thing we've united over, which sounds kind of counterintuitive, is arguing. Right? Everywhere we turn, whether it's the news or, or social media, maybe it's just everyday conversations, it doesn't matter. People love to argue. A few things recently that have been uh, really heated have been uh, this, this election that happened recently. Uh, how about racial tension, racial reconciliation, sexuality, even just coronavirus in general. These things are constantly uh, disputed. And I think it's important to make uh, the difference here. I think Paul is really calling us out of uh, meaningless disputes. And not that any of those things were meaningless because uh, I do believe it's important to stand up for what you believe. I believe some of these topics are important to be addressed. But oftentimes the way in which we address them causes the argument itself to be meaningless. You see, for some reason on social media, we feel like we can just blast whoever we want. We feel like we can just rant in any way that we want. We feel like if we're posting on social media, we no longer have to act in a respectful way to those around us. And I think that that causes these arguments and these disputes to to just be full of grumbling, but also to to, to become uh, meaningless on some level. You see, this is what Paul is calling a crooked and twisted generation. As Christians, we're called, we know, to be different than the world around us. And Paul says one easy way for us to do that is to stop complaining, to stop all the arguing. You see, uh, when Paul's telling us that, that we're blameless and innocent, that we're without blemish, that we're lights in the world, he's not as much throwing down the challenge for you to accept those things. He's telling you because of your faith in Jesus, you already are these things. And so the question becomes not, not will you shine for Jesus, right? Not, not will you be a light for Jesus, but rather how brightly will you shine for Jesus? How, how uh, not, not will you be set apart, not will you be different because of your faith in Jesus, but how different are you willing to be because of your faith in Jesus? How, willing, how set apart are you willing to be? 
I think uh, an in- interesting thing for you guys to do this week would be to try to catch yourself complaining. We, we all complain. Uh, I know that I complain a ton, but try to catch yourself uh, complaining. Uh, it, it's become so normal for all of us that I'd be interested to see if you could even do it. But, but you'll notice, I think, if, as you catch yourself more and more, uh, how, uh, how much brighter you might be able to shine for Jesus if you weren't uh, complaining as much as we like to. Uh, and maybe have fun with it too. Like maybe, maybe uh, parents, just let your kids catch you complaining when you come home from work and you just go off into that rant. Kids, listen to your parents when they tell you you're complaining too much about, about homework or, or chores or whatever it might be, right? Have fun with it, but try to catch each other complaining this week. Because the question, remember, is not, is not are you gonna choose to shine for Jesus? but rather how brightly will you shine for Jesus? And if we're called to be different than this generation that we're in the midst of, I think complaining and grumbling, as Paul says, is one way in which we can do that. You see, Paul calls us lights in this world. And we know that light uh, can bring hope, that light brings guidance in the midst of of darkness, in the midst of of, uh, confusion. If, If the darkness of our culture, right? If the crookedness of our culture manifests itself through complaining or grumbling or through this idea that life sucks and then you die, how can we, like as lights, how can we in the world bring hope and guidance to that generation? You see, I think we do our culture a disservice when we join in the complaining, when we join in the arguing, when we join in with the grumbling and the groaning. I mean, think about it. As Paul is writing this, if anybody's got a reason to complain, right? It's Paul. He, he's, been, uh, he's been shipwrecked and beaten and stoned and imprisoned and rejected. And he still writes that he has a reason to find joy. And I know some of you are thinking right now, Noah, that's great. Some guy 2,000 years ago went through a rough patch. You have no idea what I've been through this year. And, and you're right. I don't know what everybody has been through this year. Maybe you've uh, lost a job or, or your family has struggled financially because of this pandemic. Maybe you've uh, suffered division with friends or family over some of these heated arguments. Maybe you've, uh, you haven't been able to see loved ones for months because of health concerns. I mean, maybe some of you have actually lost dear friends and, and loved family members. See, we, we all have reasons to complain, and, and that's not what I'm trying to diminish. Right? We all have these valid reasons to complain, especially after a year like this. But I also think that if, if anybody has a reason to still have joy, it should be those of us who know that our hope is in heaven. It should be those of us who know that we have an eternal life with God, our Savior, you see, if, if this life really is all there is, then quite frankly, I'm going to have to join in with the complaining as well because it's just not good enough. Right? That, that's, and that's, um, that's where we pick up this idea that, that uh, constantly complaining and, and grumbling and joining in with that, it doesn't show the difference of what your faith and life in Jesus can look like. You see, there's, there's such a big difference between joy and happiness. Happiness might change day to day. Happiness might even change hour to hour for some of you. But joy stands through uh, grief and mourning and despair and anger. 
Joy lasts through each of those things. That's why Paul writes in Philippians 4, 11 to 13, he says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. See, it really has been a hard year for everyone. But as Christians, knowing that we have eternal hope and eternal joy, how much different would we stand out? How much brighter could we shine if we didn't get so caught up in the complaining or the arguing or the grumbling? You see, we all have valid reasons to complain, but Christians more than anybody have certain reasons to have joy. We have an eternal life to look forward to with God in heaven. You see, part of what makes us different as Christians is that we have uh, what Paul calls the word of life. We have God's word. You see, Paul calls us lights in the world. And as I was thinking about this, I was realizing that every light uh, seems to have a source of some point. All the lights in my house, they're plugged into the wall in some way or another. Um, stars and the sun are, are uh, you know, balls of, of gas and heat and energy. Every light that shines seems to have a source for its energy, a source for its light. And so I started thinking, well, what, what is the source for Christians? If we're supposed to be lights in the world, what is our source? And luckily, Paul answered it for me by saying that we hold fast to the word of life, that God's word is our source. See, what's going to cause you as a light to shine brighter and brighter is how much tighter and tighter you hold on to God's word. You see, I think in this, you start to see Paul's uh, shepherding heart or his burden for his people. You see, Paul says that even if he dies, if it was all for the sake of the Philippians knowing God's word, it would have been worth it. You see, as a youth pastor, as I was reading this, as, as a student ministry pastor, I started to really empathize with Paul because there's been all these surveys recently coming out about uh, Gen Z's leaving the church or all these youth are, are graduating and they're leaving the faith. And, and it's, it's uh, disheartening to just see this generation leaving the church in droves. But the one thing that I see through, through all the surveys and the investigations and the ideas of how to fix it, the one common thread that I keep seeing between all of these, the Gen Z that leave the church, is that there is a lack of ability and a lack of desire to hold on to God's word. And I think that that should motivate us a little bit as we realize that Paul says everything that he does or did was meaningless if the people didn't have God's word, if they couldn't hold on to God's word. Paul says this because he knows that God's word is our source, that how brightly we shine depends on how tightly we grasp God's word. A lot of people talk about wanting to shine brighter and brighter for Jesus. How do we do that? How is it possible? And you need to start by asking yourself, what's your connection to the source? Is Sunday morning your only touch point with God's word? Are you expecting that if you give God just an hour of your week, that he's going to shine brightly through you all week long? 
right? I cannot emphasize enough the power and the importance of daily time spent in God's word, even if it's only five minutes of your day, right? Turn the TV off for five minutes. Put your phone down for five minutes, whatever you got to do to find daily time in God's word. And it's going to look different for everybody. And that's why you need to start with asking yourself, how can I spend daily time in God's word? See, uh, the word that Paul uses here to say that we hold fast to God's word, it also means that we hold forth God's word. Uh, uh, Once again, we hold fast God's word, we hold forth God's word, or or in modern day language, right? We hold on strong to God's word, yet we also hold forward God's word. Uh, How tightly you grasp God's word, how tightly you hold on to the Bible, it's going to directly speak into how well you can witness and love and reach those around you. One of the biggest things that I found that turns people away from Christianity, that leaves them skeptical or leaves them angry, is, is this idea that Christians are hypocrites. That Christians will say one thing and do another. Right? Christians say they have the word of life from God the Father, but they don't even read it. Christians say they have a true, holy, and inspired book from the one true God, yet they never open it. Right, because once again, the question here is not, is not will you hold forward the word of God, but rather how strongly will you hold it forward? You have to ask yourself, what's your grasp on God's word right now? Some of you might have a firm grip. You have a, a solid grip on God's word and you're holding it forward strongly. Others of us, maybe it's, it's dangling by like a corner. It's tattered and blowing in the wind. It's about to slip through. You see, God's word is what gives us hope. We are different uh, from this generation that we're in. We're different from this world that we're in. Not because we've accepted some challenge, but because we've been given God's word. We've been given an eternal hope. We've been given eternal life. Remember that Paul says, even if he dies, it would be worth it. He would be glad and rejoice if they were to hold on to God's word. And this is kind of what our passage closes on today is this idea that we ought to be glad, that we ought to rejoice. And and Paul's not trying to diminish the hardships. He's not trying to make light of the tough days or of our hard situations. But rather the point is that in whatever situation we are, as Christians, we still have a reason to have joy. We still have a reason to rejoice. I want to close this morning by asking you two questions. The first is how brightly are you shining? Because you are a light in this world. In this crazy year, you as a Christian, you have an opportunity and also a responsibility to give hope to a world that is in despair. And some of you might feel like you're at the end of your fuse, like you're out of fuel, like you're, maybe your light is burning out. And you need to remember that God's word is your source. That God is the one who, who fuels you to shine brighter and brighter. And that leads me to ask you the second question this morning is how uh, tightly are you grasping God's word? 
Has Sunday morning become a launching pad for your faith? Does it, does it spring you into relationship with God each and every day? Does it provide for you a place to worship alongside of others because you've been worshiping alone all week? Or is Sunday morning your only interaction with the Bible, with God? Have you been intentional enough to carve out time each day to spend with God and to spend in His Word? You see, as, as lights in this dark world, we are called to stand out among culture around us. We are called to be different, but we know that we can only do this and we can only shine bright as we hold on tighter to God's word. You see, the, the question is, is how brightly are you going to shine? Are, are you content with blending in with the culture around you that glorifies so many things that aren't from God? Are you content that the light that you're shining might be dim or, or flickering? Maybe it's even just burnt out. Are you content with joining in the national pastime of, of complaining and grumbling and arguing? Or do you desire a stronger connection with the source? Do you desire to take the necessary steps to spend daily time with the light of the world? Do you desire to spend time learning more and more about your eternal hope, to watch your complaints, to watch your problems and your situations be put in perspective by the God of the universe who also loves and cares for you? Are you ready to, to stand out for Jesus? Are, are you ready to, to shine brightly for Jesus? Are you prepared to be countercultural for Jesus? You see, we are called to be all of these things. Yet we cannot do it without a firm grasp and hold on God's word. So I challenge you this week to dive in each and every day to God's word, to, to be intentional in finding time to spend with your heavenly father, to spend time in his word, to, to deepen your grasp on the word of life that you might shine brighter and brighter among a dark generation. Would you guys pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that, that we have an opportunity to read your word, to know your words, to, to have relationship with you. I pray that we would not uh, take this lightly, God, but that we would uh, respond to our, our identity as lights in the world by spending more time in your word, by uh, becoming more firmly connected to you, our, our source. God, and I pray that you would just shine through uh, each and every one of us to, to our community around us, to our world around us, that we might uh, show your love and your hope and your guidance to, to a world that desperately needs a heavenly father. So God, be with us this week. Uh, allow us to, to seek you uh, more, more deeply and more consistently. God, give us time to spend in your word and give us uh, the desire to do so as well. So God, it's in your powerful and loving name that we pray this morning. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.